Are you ready to hear God's word today? You know, we've been in this series in the book of Galatians, and I hope, I hope it's helped. Any, has it helped anybody uh, the last six weeks? Okay, a few of you. That's good. All right. Maybe the rest of you, by the end of today, maybe you'll feel the same way. It's definitely helped me as I've been preparing. I, I tell you, uh, a perspective change is what we've needed for a long time, I believe. Amen? In, in the church of Jesus Christ, you know, God loves his church. How many know he, got, he loves his church? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 16, Jesus declared, he says, I'm going to build my church. Amen? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he's going to have a victorious church. Amen? So here's what we want to do as a grow church. We want to be a part of what he's doing in the last days. And so I think what it takes for us is a paradigm shift, a change in our perspective of maybe how we've even seen God over the last, over our lifetime, right? And so what I want, what this goal of this message has been, can we discover this great God that we serve, his love for us, and then create an environment here in our local body that helps people grow to full life in Christ? That's what we've been after in this series. And we've really seen a, a clear picture of salvation. Now, this is where the, the paradigm maybe have, have to shift for you a little bit is because maybe you've been taught over the years that it's God's Christ's sacrifice plus something I do puts me in right standing with God. What's wrong with that picture? According to Paul, it's grace through faith alone. It's not Christ's work plus my work. No, it's Christ's work. And how do you know, how many of you know that Christ's work is enough? That his cross was enough, right? And so Paul is helping us to gain this clear perspective of what true Christianity really looks like. And it's a paradigm shift for some of us because we have really felt like that we've got to do something to earn the favor of God. All right. Is that good news that you don't have to? And so this is what we're doing. We've been, we've been talking about this for the last six weeks. And we've, we've been discovering that we're no longer slaves. Anybody glad you're not a slave anymore? No, now you're sons and daughters of God. That's good news in itself, amen? Just, just seeing that from a different perspective, that I'm no longer bound. I'm, I'm free now because of what Jesus did at the cross. And then that we're, not only are we sons and daughters, but we're heirs. We're in line for all the resources, everything that Christ has for us. We're in line for that because we're his kids. So the news keeps getting better and better, don't it? And then last week we said that as we live grace-filled lives, as we allow the Holy Spirit to be the leader of our life, there's a fruit that comes with it, right? There's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. Those are great fruits to have, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the one calling the shots. And as long as we're letting him lead, that's the outcome we get. Where we get into trouble is we start trying to do it on our own. Our flesh leads, and we talked about that as well, what that leads to. And so how many of you want to produce the, the fruit that the Holy Spirit gives to, gives to you? Because I believe when you do, your life is full. Amen? That's what living looks like. So let's dive in to Galatians chapter 6 today. I will say, I think we have a few of these left. If you've not picked one up, these are free to you. It's a, it's a, a journal. You can read through the book of Galatians. These are free to you because of your generosity. Can you give yourselves a hand today that you're generous and we can give this stuff away free? Amen? So if you want to pick one, I think there's a few of them left. If you'd like one, you can take that. 
So let's read Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Verse 2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Notice what he's pointing us to, the law of Christ. And hold on to that, okay? We're going to talk about it a little bit in just a minute. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. So what's Paul saying in these first three verses? He's basically telling us to create an environment where people, if they do fall into sin, right, that there's an there's a environment of restoration. So I got some questions for you to ponder just for a second. Number one, what if we were a church that truly helped those who are bound or struggle find freedom? What if we understood the power in accountability? What if we had the courage to speak up when we're struggling because we know that we're surrounded by people who love us and want us to experience full life in Christ? What if? And then here's my last question. How do we create that kind of environment? I believe Paul gives us a way to do that in these passages that we just read. I believe that's the kind of environment that, that Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 6, where people do fall into sin. Is that right? I heard a, a pastor say this the other day. How many of you are Jesus in the room? So as long as you're not Jesus, guess what? You have this potential while you're still breathing, to fall into sin. Is that right? Not me, pastor. Oh, yes. Because the Bible says that if we don't let the flesh, if we let the flesh lead, we start getting that, we start falling into those evil patterns, right? Because that's why it's so important that every day the flesh has to die. Because at any moment, temptation comes, and if you're not careful in a weak moment, what, ha what can happen? You can sin. And so Paul's saying to us, as long as we're in the flesh, there's that propensity to sin. But thanks be to God, when the Spirit leads, we have victory. Amen? And so what we want to do is we want to create an environment where we're helping people who fall into that. Because remember what Galatians 5 says. It says that when we walk in the Spirit, we, become, we, be, we start to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And that matches up to what Jesus said. In Matthew, in Matthew, right, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so, remember we talked about that, that law of Christ? Paul mentioned the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love God. Love people. And we've been talking about this, how, how hard it is for us to follow the law with those 613 laws and how that feels like it's impossible to live up to all those laws, right? And so Jesus said, I know you guys are simple. I'm simple. Any other people simple in here? I need it 
broken down for me, right? I need somebody to break it down and help me. And so Jesus did exactly that. He said, let's take all these 613 laws, let's break it down into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So if you love God, man, you love people, there's an environment that we can grow in to be fully alive in Christ. Here's how Jesus said it in John 13, 34. He said, so now I'm giving you, notice what he says, a new commandment. What is it? Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So what's he saying? I've given you the example. As a matter of fact, I've modeled for you what real love looks like. I went to the cross. I laid my life down for you. And so for you to follow in my example, what are you going to do? You're going to love others that same way. You're going to be sacrificial in your love for them. And I love this because if we're creating an environment where people can be restored and find freedom, it's going to be centered around that idea of the new commandment, the, the law of Christ, of walking in love. Does that make sense to everybody? And so here's the context of that. In, in, within this body, Grow Church, we have a loving environment, a loving environment of accountability called Grow Groups. And we just talked about that a few minutes ago. We've, we were launching those this week. So here's what I will tell you. Our leaders, the people who lead our Grow Groups, they're committed to you living a full life in Christ. They're committed to creating a safe environment for you to grow. Is that good news today? And even if you fall into sin, if you struggle, they won't shame you. They won't guilt you. And maybe that's, what, that's been your experience in the past. No, you know what they're going to do? They're going to lovingly walk beside you to a path of restoration and wholeness. Amen. So here's my plea to you. Don't struggle alone. Amen? Let somebody walk alongside you to help you. And our grow groups is an amazing environment for that to happen. And so here's, here's the idea. You're not going to get beat up if you struggle here at Grow Church. Is that good news today? Because here, here's what I've discovered. There's two extremes in church. And some of you have experienced both extremes. Number one, there's the church that's legalistic. That every time you're in the, in the building or you're around some of them, you feel condemned and judged all the time. Anybody ever experienced somebody like that? A church like that? And when you, God forbid you struggle, right? And God forbid you tell anybody you're struggling, right? Because there's that view of legalism, of I gotta obey a set of rules. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. The ramifications of that are as, is an environment of hypocrisy. Where we come into the room and we may have just blown it the night before or that morning and we're gonna put on a mask. Oh, everything's great. Couldn't be better. On the inside, you're dying. But, the, but because you're, you feel condemned and judged all the time, you don't share with anybody the things that are going on in your life. Has anybody ever encountered that? 
That's one extreme. The other extreme is, I call it greasy grace, where sin's never dealt with, right? Anything goes. You know what that creates? An environment of complacency. I'm comfortable. You see the two extremes. Neither one of them are what Paul's describing in Galatians 6, right? Now, what's he describing? He's describing a healthy environment where sin is dealt with. We're not sweeping it under the rug. Amen. But yet, it's an opportunity to get past the sin, to get past the struggle, to victory. Amen. So we're not going to pull you in. If, we just, you know, if, some, if it comes out that you've had a, a struggle or you're sinning, we're not going to pull you in and rake you over the coals. Neither are we going to ignore it. We believe in a healthy environment of restoration because here's the goal. The goal is that, just that, for you to be restored, for you to walk in freedom. Isn't that what Christ paid for? That's what he paid for on the cross. He paid for your freedom. And that's why he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen? How many of you want to walk in that freedom today? But pastor, you don't know what I've done in my past. Listen, God knows. And he loves you anyway. Amen? So if he can love you, I can. That helps somebody, I hope. And notice what he says. We're going to deal with this sin because, we, because restoration and freedom is the goal. But our attitude, those of us who are dealing with the sin, who are confronting the sin, what's our attitude? Not, I'm better than you, but what? One of humility. Why? Because we just established it a few minutes ago. Everybody has the potential and the propensity to, to fall. Amen? And so our attitude towards somebody that we're confronting has to be with humility because we may end up in the same spot at some time. Amen? And this is how we operate. You know, it's, it's good for us sometimes to, to be able to, boy, just come down on somebody else. But when it's, it's our turn, can you please show me some grace? Can you be, please be gentle with me when you're dealing with me? Why not do that for them? Why not help them in a spirit of humility and gentleness? This is what Paul's saying. We're not going to skirt around it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to confront it, but we're going to do it out of love, out of compassion, out of the goal of restoration. Does that help anybody today? So can I tell you this? Here at Grow Church, you may fall a hundred times. You know what my advice is? Get back up. Get back up. And continue your journey to pursue the full life that Christ has for you. That might help somebody today. That might give somebody a little bit of hope today. Amen? And then he says in verse 2, he says... Uh, Bear each other's burdens. So, again, continuing this, this vein of loving our neighbor. What if a person falls into some hard times, right? During the pandemic, we've seen this. We've seen people get sick and can't work. We've seen businesses close down and people can't work. We've seen financial hardship. We've seen physical hardship. We've seen all these problems. 
What better time for the church to step up and bear each other's burdens than right now in the middle of a pandemic? So that's what Paul's talking about. Because we're a, a fellowship of, of faith, of, a fellowship of people who love, he's, he's challenging us as the body of Christ to step up when, somebody's ha- when somebody has a need. Amen? I love this because it's a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. How do I know that? Because in Acts chapter 2, if you read Acts 2, you'll see that once the Holy Spirit came and filled them, at the end of the chapter it says, here's what they did. Whenever there was a need, they'd sell something. In other words, they're heading down to the pawn shop. Amen. They're going to sell something because my brother or sister's having a hard time. Paul's saying to us, if you're going to live out the law of Christ, it's going to look like us being generous to each other and helping each other bear a burden, a heavy load sometimes. It may be, again, it may be sickness, it may be loss of a job, it may be the loss of a loved one. We've suffered loss over the last year and a half, haven't we? People that we know and love have passed on. Why not the body of Christ walk alongside with gentle arms and say, you know what, I care about you. I'm praying for you. How can, I, how can I make the load a little bit lighter for you while you're grieving? Amen? This is the environment that, that Paul's describing in Galatians 6 where we're bearing each other's burdens. So I have a question for you. Who do you know right now that's bearing a burden that you can help lift? Maybe some names just popped in your mind. Why not, before, sometime this week, step out and say, hey, what can I do? It doesn't have to be anything major. It can be as simple as going and mowing the grass or cleaning their house. Whatever it is, or taking them a meal, these will help lift these people's burdens and make it a little bit lighter. Amen? This is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Not condemning and judging one another. Like we said earlier, like a couple of weeks ago. No, it's a, a loving environment where we're here for each other. Amen. This is the kind of environment I believe Christ wants for Grow Church. So full life involves caring, restoring, loving people. Let's keep reading in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. How many know comparison's a a killer? Social media. I love social media, but I I think it's created this this environment of comparison, right? That we look on Instagram and we see, but here's here's you need to get you need to get this. When you're looking at a picture of somebody, they're showing you their best self. Because over in the background, a few feet away, there's a pile of dirty clothes. Amen. (laughs) There's dishes in the sink, right? So you're seeing their best self. And so it's not even reasonable for you to compare yourself to somebody on Instagram. So God is calling us to be responsible. Verse 5, we are each responsible for our own conduct. Amen? And so how many of you know that our tendency is to point the finger? Oh, well, well, she made me do it. Or, you know, remember the Garden of Eden? Is that not the most, let's, let's pass the blame or pass the buck to somebody else, you know? Oh, the snake made me do it. Oh, no, Eve made me eat the apple. No. 
Take responsibility for your own behavior. Here's how I'll say it. Stay in your lane. Amen? Because remember, you're created on purpose for a purpose. So if I go around comparing myself to Charlie here, his purpose is a little bit different than mine. But if I constantly compare myself to him, I'm constantly what? I'm defeated. I'm depressed because I'm not living up. Because I'm not living Charlie's purpose. I'm living my purpose. You follow me? So God's calling us to stay in our lane, to understand why we're here. God called us to something. It may not be to preach. It may not be to teach. Whatever God's called you to do, do it well. Take responsibility for your life. Amen? And so when I talk about bearing burdens, I'm not talking about you being a burden. Y'all with me? And so, yes, if you fall on hard times, you get sick, you lose your job, whatever, well, we're going to help. But if you're just, okay, I'm just going to be really frank with you. If you're just too lazy to work, ouch. We love you. We care about you. But you know what I'm going to tell you? If you come into my office and you hadn't worked for a year because just simply you're just too lazy, you know what I'm going to say? I love you. I care about you. Go get a job. Are you with me? Folks, that's not being harsh. Actually, that's being loving. Because the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Come on, somebody. And so, don't get me wrong. We love you. And so, what I'm going to do is, I'll do anything I can to help you. I'll help you find a job. We'll look through the wanted... You don't do it in the paper anymore. We don't do paper anymore, do we? <laughs> we go to, we go to the, the, the websites, right? Whatever, indeed.com or whatever it is, right? So I'll help you go to Indeed. Maybe somebody who's better than I am can help you put a resume together. We're going to help you. Are you with me? And so here it is. If you fall into hard times, we're going to help you. But if you're being lazy, we're going to help you still. We're just going to help you in a different way. How's that? Amen. Amen. We're creating an environment. We're creating an environment that you can flourish. Because it's not, it, listen folks, it's not God's will to you sit on your butt and watch Netflix all day. So full, full life, full life involves taking responsibility and investing in your purpose. God's put you on this planet for a reason. Discover it. Do whatever you can to find out why God has you here. Because he has you here for a reason. Amen. That won't cost you anything. Let's keep reading. You guys, is this helping anybody today? Verse 7. Verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. How many of you want to sign up for that? So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest. If you don't give up. Amen? Therefore... 
whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in Grow Church. Amen? The family of faith. Right? So what's he saying here? How many of you know there's a principle of sowing and reaping? It's a reality. Any farmers in here? Anybody who grows stuff? You have a garden out back. You understand this principle really well, right? So what, what's your responsibility as the one who gardens? You've got to make sure the environment's right for growth. You create the, the right environment for that thing to grow. But something else that's really important is the seed. I can't put corn seed in the ground and expect tomatoes. Is that right? What I plant, I expect the fruit of. Is that, are y'all following me right now? And so if you sow, as Paul said, to the flesh, you can't expect to, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? You have to sow to the Spirit to be able to reap a harvest of the fruit of the Spirit. Does that, does that make sense? And so full life involves investing in these things that you value, Okay? So you get the environment right, you put the right seed in, you get the right harvest. That's pretty simple to understand, right? Another way of understanding is investing, right? So those of you that are in the financial realm, you understand the idea of investing, and what do you get on your investment? A return. And it's always, if you do it right, it's always multiplied more than what you put in, right? It's the same way with the seed. You're going to get more out of the seed than just that seed. You're going to get a big harvest, right? So you might as well harvest the right things so you get a good harvest of right things. Does that follow? You follow me? And so this is what you have the, the responsibility to do is to either sow and reap or, or invest and get the return. So we have to have the right seed, the right environment, in order for us to see the right harvest. Another thing that he said that, that really stuck out to me was, don't give up doing good. Some of us have this mentality, and I don't know where we get it from, in the spirit realm where we're going we're gonna to sow one day and we think we're going to reap the next. That's not even true in, in the gardening realm, is it? So how many of you have ever planted a seed and went out the next day and stomped your foot? Why are there not any tomatoes growing? It's foolish to believe that, right? Because you understand the principle that things have to, the soil, it has to take root. And then the, the, the little seedling has to pop out of the ground. And then it has to mature to fruit, right? The same is true for your spiritual walk. you got to continue investing every day. That's why he said, don't grow weary in doing good because you're going to reap if you don't give up. Are you with me? And so one of the keys in this season we've been in of uncertainty and, and a lot of doubt and a lot of questions is don't grow weary. Persevere because the fruit's coming. Amen. I'll give you a story. Six years ago, five years ago, I was, went to a conference, okay? 
And at the conference, this, the church that the, the conference was at, you could just walk in and feel the presence of God. You could feel just a, a different, it was just, there's something special about that place, okay? And I'm, I'm walking around like, you know what, Lord? I would love, at that time, we weren't Grow Church. We were Sunnyside. And I, I felt God say to me, if you want this, and I, I took a trip two and a half hours from, from Birmingham, Alabama, back to Kenton, Georgia. Me and God had a conversation. And he started getting on me pretty heavily, right? And I said, I want, I want an environment where people love to be there. They're, they're growing. They're changing. The Spirit of God's there. The presence of God. And he said, if you'll grow, I'll do it. If you don't, you'll suffer and your church will suffer. That put me on a journey of personal growth. That was five years ago. Should I have expected the next week for God to do something amazing? No. What did he have to do? He had to do a work in me. He had to do a work in our, our staff. We began a journey of growing and investing. And so what we were expecting was, we were expecting a return, but we knew it wasn't going to be right away. But there were moments where tears were shed. Amber, and I, I've got permission from her to share this. There were moments a few years ago where Amber would sit in my office and she would, she would have tears rolling down her face of, of how she wasn't making this great impact on our students. And I'm like, Amber, you can't give up. You gotta keep investing. You gotta keep, you gotta keep sowing into these kids. You gotta keep believing in these kids. And she would cry and say, I wanna give up. I'm like, no, do not give up. This passage came to my mind. I said, you can't give up because the harvest is coming. Amen. Can I tell you, they're not where they want to be altogether, but there's some kids being impacted because Amber didn't give up. She kept sowing and kept investing. Are you with me? This is the, this is the law of sowing and reaping. It's a true principle in God's word. But you can't give up. So here's, here's how we'll wind that part up. Stay teachable. Stay teachable. Remember, you reap what you sow and where you sow. Remember that you reap more than you sow. Amen? Remember that when you give love, what do you get? Love. Remember, when you get encouragement, what do you get? Encouragement back. We have this opportunity, this privilege of continuing to sow. And at some point... It'll be a harvest so big you won't be able to. You'll be like, whoa. Amen. Let's keep reading. I'm almost done, I promise. I say that, and you guys are like, ha, 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 ha. <clears throat> Verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. This is Paul speaking. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. What is he doing? He's exposing some motives here, right? They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. He, what's he doing? He's coming back around to the thesis of Galatians. That it's by grace through faith alone that saves you. And he's reminding, let me give you one more, that's what he's saying. Let me give you one more reminder. It's by the, Christ, the cross of Christ alone that you're saved. Watch what he says. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. And we've, we talked about how that, what that looks like, that if you break one, what, what's, what, does it, what does it mean? You're breaking them all, right? And so he's reiterating this. These guys that are trying to force you back into the law, they can't keep it themselves. 
They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. There's a pride issue here, right? They want to be able to brag about their following. As for me, watch what he says. May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Verse 15, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. Watch this. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Remember what he said in in 1 Corinthians? He says, Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. You're a new creation in Christ the moment you accept him, right? And then watch what he says, verse 16. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So as we finish this this series, you can see where he's coming back around to what the, the right the thing that he's been saying all along. And he's continuing to call out these, we call them Judaizers, right? The ones who are trying to pull them back into trying to earn God's favor or salvation by another way, except through the cross of Christ. And, and he says that their motives are wrong, they're They're prideful. But notice what he says about himself. He says, this is the correct perspective. Here's what I call it. I call it a cross perspective. Everybody say cross perspective. Remember we talked about changing our paradigm, our perspective? Away from trying to follow a bunch of rules and laws. And if we can get our eyes off that and get our eyes back on the cross. Amen? That's the right perspective. That's a life-changing perspective. Amen? Because when you get your eyes on Jesus and you, and you get your eyes on what he did at the cross, things change. The Holy Spirit has an opportunity to do a work in your heart that will transform you for eternity. We did communion a few minutes ago. What an awesome reminder, amen, that salvation isn't something we do. But here, you know, what, you know what's happened? There are people who've turned communion into a work. That it's something you've got to do in order to be saved. Folks, that's not what that's about. Jesus never said that. What did he say? He did say, do it to remember, Amen. And so what's our perspective? Our perspective isn't I'm doing it to get right with God. I'm doing it because I am right with God. You see the difference? And it's all about appreciating and thanking God and being reminded of that finished work. That's what communion is all about. So instead of it being something that we feel like we've got to do, we get to do it and our hearts are full every time. I don't know about you. Every time I I take that that bread and that cup, I'm so thankful. Is anybody else thankful of what Christ did for you? We're talking about a change and a shift of perspective. 
We're now cross-focused. Amen? So as we're finishing this up, the main takeaway for you is the full life Christ has for you was secured at the cross. It's good news. And now, because of that reality, you can walk in close fellowship with God. Isn't that good news? You're his kid. And you can walk in close fellowship with other people. Your friendships can be amazing. How many like amazing friendships? How many have great amazing friendships? If you'll get this perspective, those relationships will go to a whole new level. Your marriages will go to a whole new level, amen? Because you have the right perspective. So I have some response for you. What's my response? Number one, restore people who are in sin graciously and humbly. We talked about why. Number two, create a habit of helping those in need, especially who? Your church family. Number three, invest in the things of the Spirit, and what's the outcome? Full life in Christ. Number four, don't give up investing, or we'll say it this way, don't give up sowing the good, right? Because what's, what's the outcome? There's a harvest. There's a return. Number five, keep the gospel at the forefront of your life. That's where, that's going to keep you on track. When you're cross-focused, you can stay in fellowship with God. And then lastly, you know what I'm going to say, right? If Christ has redeemed your life, He's transformed you through his spirit to the cross. There's a message to share. Amen? Can I say this? That what happens in here is less about what's in here and what's supposed to happen out there. Jesus gave us the Great Commission for a reason. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, lo, I'm with you. I'm with you all the time. I'm never going to leave you. Your whole, his Holy Spirit is in you to help you share the message of the cross. Amen? So God's calling us to a new perspective. And the life change that we've experienced, what he's wanting us to do is go share that message. Everybody has a testimony, right? How many of you have a testimony of God's forgiveness and grace? Share it. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.